It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. My guest today is a mother to two boys, a best-selling author, influencer, and speaker. After her husband passed from a brain aneurysm, she found and created her way back to joy. She instinctively knew it was the only path worthy for the young boys. Her husband had taught her the concept of two choices, and that one was made in his honor, to make him proud. Marie has become a shining example of choosing love over fear and sadness. In her movement, Marie offers hope, healing, and happiness to the world when people expected the least and needed the most. And she joins us via Zoom from Sydney, Australia, to share her story. Marie, welcome to the Time for Prep podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Fred. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Same here, and the pleasure is all mine. So, Marie, you have a very powerful story that um, you have chosen to share with the world, uh, but not looking at it from you know the pain and the sadness and the grief, which which is still justifiable, which I'm sure you went through when this happened. But what inspired you um, to to start this 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 campaign or crusade, so to speak, um, sharing your story with the world? Wow, um, what inspired me was really a bit of a, uh, yeah, I have to take a tiny little step back to that because I actually realized very early into our story when I did hear this super unexpected news that Rob had passed. Um, you know, it was this completely the world stopped moment for me. It was somebody pulled the rug underneath my feet and it felt so surreal. It, it just doesn't feel real when you hear those news. And the hardest part for me was sharing those news with the boys because they were 10 and 8 at the time, you know. And having to share these news with your boys is just really, there's nothing more heart shattering than this. And Rob and I were really, really lucky that we had some of those what-if conversations. What if something was to happen to you or I? And these conversations usually ended in, in a nutshell, I would want you to create the happiest life possible for the boys, you know. And for us, that's what it was all based on. And I need to share this because this is the only way really to answer your question because for us, love is simple. Love just wants you to be happy. So when I heard these news, I had no idea, Fred, how to do this. I had no idea how to create a happy life for the boys after hearing that Rob had passed so unexpectedly. He was 45 in the prime of his life. There was no indication of that happening. So in that moment of hugging my boys and them screaming and crying and me holding them and holding space for their pain, I had this little voice of Rob in my head. I want you to create the happiest life for the boys. Our what if conversation had become reality in an instant. So without knowing how to, this became my North Star. Happiness became my North Star. I knew that whatever I did was based on, is this going to make us happy, yes or no? So my sole focus was on happiness, not on the grief. The grief was overwhelming per se anyway. It was there. It was undeniably in our lives, but it was my decision whether I put my focus on that pain or my focus on how do I create happiness amidst all of that. And by my super different approach, 
of dealing with this situation, a lot of people didn't get it, didn't understand what I was doing, thought I was in denial. I decided to share a story in a book. I wrote about it. It was very therapeutical for me to share our story and also a beautiful way of telling the world about Rob and our love. And I published this book four months after Rob passed, so super early in our journey. And what I didn't expect was that this book became a number one bestseller on Amazon and it ranked in the top 100 of Australia. And when I saw that as a response from the world to our story, that's when I knew I had something the world needed. And that was the seed planted for what is now the global movement with the same title like the book, Loving Life After Loss. So that's a very long-winded story or answer to your question, but I had to step back to make people understand why and how I actually got there. So, yeah. Wow. What a, what a, what a powerful story there, uh, Marie. So mm. I take it this was not expected, right? It, it, it wasn't something that he, you had coming. Not at all. Wow. There was no indication. Rob was super healthy. He was a surfer. He was fit. You know, he went to regular checkups. Like, you know, he was very on top of his health. And, and then he flew on a business trip uh, to the other side of Australia and never came back. He had a brain aneurysm in the shower. He just collapsed and died. It was no pre-warning you know when i mean death is one of those things that regardless of whether you know it's coming or not i mean you're mm -hmm. no one's ever really fully ready for it right but then somehow if, if you no. see it coming you know you know this is coming I, i'd imagine the feeling is different but when it's so unexpected such as you know what you experienced i mean how how does one i mean especially for your boys how was it as a as a mom breaking this news to your boys, the dad's gone or, you know, he's never coming back. Mm. How was that experience like for you? It was excruciating. Mm. It was absolutely excruciating. I had three seconds to prepare myself for that talk. And, you know, like I was upstairs, we've got like a split level house. So I was upstairs, uh, open plan. I was on the phone and I received this phone call from the sergeant and I had this really bizarre bilingual brain moment because I grew up in Austria. English is not my first language, but I'm quite fluent as you can tell. But there are certain words that you just don't come across if, if you don't experience it. And one of those, unfortunately, was coroner's office. I had no idea what that meant. So when this guy Ramius said, I'm Sergeant such and such from the coroner's office, I'm like, yeah, you know, I was on this expectation thingy, like for everybody else, they would have instantly known what that meant. I didn't. I had this delayed reaction, which I'm sort of weirdly enough grateful for. And the other thing I'm grateful for was that I was so persistent. I kept calling Rob. I kept texting. I was so worried about him because he was so not him to not, or text me back i knew in my heart something happened i just didn't know what i did not understand and know of the vastness of that what had happened you know so when he rang me i was still waiting for him to tell me there was an accident he's in hospital something you know i did not expect that and then this sentence came that really cut through my entire life and that was i'm sorry to inform you that your husband deceased in a hotel room in perth this morning and there was this silence, this absolute silence. And then there were the boys sitting downstairs in the living room. 
and they were unaware of what was going on up there. They were unaware of my fear and panic and anxiety the whole day building up because I felt something had happened. So I walked downstairs because I knew they had to be the first ones to know. They had to be told there is no sugarcoating a message like that. So I literally just said it out loud. I said, I need you to put your devices down. They were on their iPads waiting for me to take them to martial arts training, sitting there in their uniforms. And by the look of my face, they instantly knew, knew it was big. And I just held both their hands and I said, your dad just died. I just said it straight out. I, I still get really emotional when I talk about this because it's so hard to just say that to your kids and, and, to see their complete, you know, that same reaction that I felt reflected in their little faces of it's so surreal, this can't be true, you know. And all they were all they were saying was no, 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 no. They were just screaming and yelling no the whole time, you know, that completely Yeah. And then the crying came and the screaming and and I was sort of prepared on a huge quotation marks because I had those couple of seconds while I was walking downstairs. I knew they'd be crying. I wasn't prepared for screaming. I had no time to think it through and nobody can prepare you for that. You don't know the reaction. So that was really big. And in my heart, I knew that was the moment where I, without thinking this through, completely embraced soul parenthood. I'm like, it's me now. I'm going to step up big time for you guys because I'm it. I just had this moment of feeling that, not thinking this clearly, but I knew when you asked me now, that was the moment when I stepped into that. Yeah, I'm so sorry you had to deal with this, um, Marie. Uh, Thank there, you. There is this um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who... I guess mm. with, um, the the Kubler Ross module, and where she talks about the five stages of grief, where she discusses she discusses mm. uh, the stages yeah. that you know one might experience. Of course, not in chronological order, and people yeah. deal with these uh, mm. very differently. She talks about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, yeah. acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Which of these emotions do you feel like you're you went through? I mean, it's it's if yeah. you remember at all. Yeah, I'm so glad you bring this up because I'm going to bust that myth straight mm -hmm. up front because Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has written about these five stages uh, for terminally ill people. And mm -hmm. people have somewhere along the lines uh, misunderstood that for five stages of grief. It was never intended to be. And it also doesn't match yeah. anyone who really uh, looks into these stages. They don't make sense for grief at all. They make sense for terminally ill people. The bargaining, the denial, that's for terminally ill people who know that it's coming but don't want to accept it, need to come to terms with it, uh, have that bargaining, the denial stage, the shock, the anger, all of that. I never had that because they don't apply to grief. Some of them might be similar, absolutely. Was I in shock? Yes, absolutely. The biggest freaking shock of my life to hear that my husband has passed. Yet they were not a stage of grief. Yeah. If you hear big news you'll be in shock no matter if you're dying, not dying, no matter what, that doesn't make any sense. You know, people try to squeeze grief into these steps that don't make sense and don't apply at all. I never felt anger. I know that many people deal with anger when they lose a loved one, 
or they have these how dare you leave me and all these things. Yeah. Uh, we can definitely talk about that if there's time, but I just wanted to park that there for a second. Uh, the denial, you know, the I, I never felt any of that because they don't apply. These are fast stages for terminally ill people, and I'm really glad you brought this up. Yeah, yeah. And so after that, you, you mentioned that you, so you and Robin talked about living life and, and, and being happier doing something you know mm. it's and yeah how how long did it take you to kind of get to that to that space right of, of choosing you mm. know, in spite of um, the loss yeah. that, that you'd experienced i started the journey almost immediately i don't think there is an actual destination because to me life per se is a journey and i know it sounds very woo woo or very cliche but life is a journey yes. uh and i think the final destination is when we pass over and we look back at what we have achieved that but you know have you reached happiness happiness is not a constant state happiness is is a goal to uh like a, a north star for me you know so everything i do as i said is based on is that going to make us happy yes or not mm -hmm. So it became a lifestyle for me rather than have I achieved it or not. I have had many, many, many moments of absolute happiness since Rob passed. Mm -hmm. um, yet at the beginning, they were certainly still weighed down by the heaviness of the news that we had to come to terms with. And the more I focused on the happiness, the lighter it felt and the easier it came to us, if that makes sense. So it really, the, the journey started in that very moment. I knew when that happened, I stepped into this protector role, into this mama bear role. I took my cups and I wanted to protect them and I wanted them to be happy. So I just took them and ran with them. And yeah, I, I took them traveling around the world for two months. Um, at the end of that year. So Rob passed in June and in uh, November, end of October, November, we sat on a plane and took off on a trip around the world because I knew I had to get them away from this heaviness, away from all the expectation and people watching them. Are they going to fall apart? Are they not? How, the, how are they dealing with it? It felt like people didn't know what to do with us or with the way I dealt with it. Yet I knew my sole focus was their happiness. I couldn't care less about if people did or didn't judge me. I didn't feel a lot of judgment, but I felt a lot of what on earth is she doing, you know? So, yeah. Okay. And you've also started uh, this, this movement where you bring uh, mm -hmm. healing and, and happiness. Can you, can you share a little bit about this movement and, and, and what it's about? Yeah. Yeah. So the idea came while I was traveling around the world, actually. Uh, in Vienna, where I'm originally from. I was sitting there in my previous apartment that my mom lives in there, and I was just reminiscing about our path, how far we've come and how much had happened in this half a year since Rob had passed. And and then I thought of the book and how it ranked in the top 100, and I thought, far out, who would have ever thought our story, you know, to be written in a book, to be ranked in the top 100, and this gave me this epiphany. I've got something the world needs. This is way more than just a book. This is way bigger than just the two of us or the four of us. This is something the world needs. So that gave me the idea. And there and then I reached out to 
a mentor that I had interviewed in my previous business, in my previous coaching business I had. And I said, hey, Mark, you know, this is what happened since, you know, gave him the nutshell version and I think I need your help because he specialised on building movements, on building groups, and he helped me set the base for that. And I came back, the boys went back to school, and three weeks later I set in the first workshop with this guy and recorded my welcome video for the group, you know, and then I opened the doors to Loving Love After Loss, the group, the movement, in March 2019, so it was nine months after Rob had passed, and within weeks we had hundreds of people come in, hundreds. We've now, we're now up to over 3,500 people in a group, and all I do in there is just hold space for people. I've created healing journeys, programs. I run retreats now. This is my absolute baby. I love the retreats because that's where the deepest transformation happens, and, yeah, I really realized by just staying on my path and focusing on where I want to be people are drawn to that they are drawn to happiness they're drawn to love they might not know how to get there but they feel instinctively that they need that we all need love and happiness in our life so I just provide the path and I shine a lot of light on that path so I make sure that people see that path and when people are sitting in the darkness, they are really drawn by that light and I love that we offer that in our group. Yeah. Marie, there's, um, you know, someone probably listening who, you know, is dealing or maybe has dealt with the grief in the past or yeah, and, and wondering, how do I how do I find, you know, this this peace and, and happiness that, that Marie's talking about? Mm. It's this, yeah. Let's, let's talk about what helped you in, in your experience, right? Mm. And then maybe you can talk about how mm. you know, others can now uh, yeah. can find a bit of that. Yeah. I strongly believe what helped me is I had a lot of really deep spiritual uh, epiphanies and awakenings throughout the journey. I had uh, the deepest one for me and the most profound one I would say along the way was when I had this realisation that Rob and I had chosen this path on a soul level. That was huge for me. That helped me with so much of the acceptance, the inner peace, coming to peace with that. doesn't mean that it stops hurting, but it gives you so much peace with, oh, my God, this is beautiful there is so much love in this that he chose to walk this path with me. And I understand that everybody's got a different spiritual background, but this was my way, my epiphany and our journey, our choice. So that really helped me. And also when I, when I felt a little bit lost in terms of what's my next step, where do I go? Is this okay what I'm doing? Um, I didn't have a lot of that, but when it came, I simply did the role reversal. And I say that to a lot of my clients, if you were in your husband's shoes or in your wife's shoes or your son's, whoever that is that has passed over, put yourself in their shoes and look down on yourself and say, what would I want for her, for mm -hmm. him? what would I want this person on earth to do with the rest of his or her life? That really helps me because a lot of people see it from a bit of a human thing as in, 
oh, he wouldn't want me to have another partner or he wouldn't want me to move on or he wouldn't want me to do this. And with a bit of tongue in cheek, I have to say, you know, we, we do choke at the retreats as well a lot actually because there is a different sense of humour that only people understand and get and are allowed to use that actually have uh, experienced loss in their lives. So we, we do choke about these things as well, but then I turn it around for them and say, okay, what would love do? And that to me is my absolute mantra. What would love do? What would love want for you? Love wouldn't want you to feel guilty. Love wouldn't want you to stay stuck in pain. Love wouldn't want you to be sad forever. Love wouldn't want you to think. And that is another huge myth, a huge disbelief. I so do not believe in this. Um, the way I grieve, the deeper I grieve, the more I show how much I love this person. Oh, shudder. I cannot, I cannot accept that in as my truth. My truth is for me and Rob, and I wish for so many people to just allow that into their heart. The more happiness I create for the boys and myself, the more I honor what Rob and I had created together. Yeah. Our whole life, our whole love, our whole relationship was based on love and connection, on happiness, on joy. So by me, if I was to stay stuck in pain, in the grief, just to show people how much I love this person, I don't need that. I really don't need that. Who wants to suffer? Nobody wants to suffer. Mm -hmm. There's a disbelief. There's a dis... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a misunderstanding. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, a misunderstanding of this is how I'm supposed to portray my love by how deeply I grieve. I see the complete polar opposite. If I was to do that, if I was to stay stuck in grief, stuck in the sadness, I would reduce the 12 and a half years that Rob and I had together to just the moment of his passing. I would completely eliminate what happened before and I'm not going to do that. I honour and love this person way too much to reduce his entire life and our entire relationship to just the moment of his passing. This was one moment, very significant, very significant moment, a freaking huge fork in the road. Yet I choose to continue the path of love and connection because that's all we were about. And that was our final conversation we had without knowing it was our last conversation ever was about love and connection. So beautiful. And I'm going to continue that for the rest of my life, for the rest of my boy's life. So, yeah, that's, that's my mission. That's powerful. Mm. One question that I typically ask of my guests is for them to share what defines them. But I, I, I want to ask this, uh, Marina, in a different way. Um, mm. How has life changed or, or what, is, what does life mean to you now uh, since Rob's past? Uh, has life changed at all? And if so, how? Mm. Yeah. Um, so we do still live in the same house. That house has changed a lot. Um, life has changed a lot because I'm now a sole parent. I'm not a single parent. There's a lot of single parents out there who still have the, you know, the holiday dad or the weekend dad on the other side. You know, there's still another person that they can bounce off ideas with, share wins, share highs, share lows, share holidays, share responsibilities. I don't have that. I'm not not once felt sorry for myself for that. I very much owned that. Took me about three and a half years to actually have this epiphany. I'm like, wow, I'm not a single parent. I'm a sole parent. It's just me. 
just me. There's no other single parent floating around somewhere else. So that was really important for me to, to recognize that, even though it took me that long, and to realize how much I actually owned that. Because I think by owning this, we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. We often go into this, oh, I had no choice. I had to for my kids. I didn't have to. I chose to because I freaking love them and they're so amazing and I want them to have a beautiful life. So I, I think there's a lot of that. Um, so if I had to put it all into one word, I would probably choose awareness. I'm, my my level of awareness of what I do, who I am, what we're here for has quadrupled. No, I'm... I'm not getting there. It's, it's not even, you know, it's just completely exploded my level of awareness. And I love that huge, huge spiritual growth, which I'm so grateful for. And um, yeah, but there's, it's almost like somebody switched a light on in my life and I already thought I was beaming before, you know, so that is really incredible. I really see that role that I've been handed um, to lead people into the light. I really see that as a huge, responsibility and honor and the responsibility part is what I still need to work on because <laughs> it's not my responsibility it's an honor do you know what I mean but I sometimes feel it is so that's that's my personal growth that I'm working on right now as we speak it's very um yeah very fresh how are your boys doing now Marie? they are doing great absolutely great we just had the most beautiful conversation about like absolute truth and honest where you are in life on valentine's day not even planned my older son prompted that conversation by saying to me mom have you ever thought about working with kids and i was like you know it came out of the blue for me and i said no why and he said there's so many kids at school that have really dark thoughts or you know you wouldn't believe how many kids think about suicide or talk about it i was shocked by what he shared with me absolutely shocked and so we had this really deep conversation and I said, Flynn, he, he said, mom, you really need to do something in that. That would be so you, that would be so great if you could do that. It's amazing at what you do. And I said, Flynn, I'm still sitting here wondering, have I done the right things by you? I knew that was my path. I knew that's what dad and I had decided to do. Something was to ever happen, but I'm still sitting there having moments thinking, was it the right thing for you? Did I provide enough space for your grief to be lived? Or, you know, what the path was right for me, but was it right for you as well or not? I sometimes wonder. I don't know. And that conversation gave me the absolute proof that I really needed from both my boys that I have done the absolute right thing by them as well. It was such, such an evening of healing for us to hear that from my boys. And that was only last week. So I'm glad you asked me that now. If you had asked me two weeks ago, I'd say, I think they're doing great, you know? And I'm like, I know they're doing great. They're doing amazingly well. And I just love that we had this conversation and that it was prompted by my 15 year old. You know, they've got a level of maturity that blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. It's just beautiful. One of the things that we, we've often believed, and, and most of us still do, um, Maxim, mm. that time heals all wounds. You don't believe in that. You you believe that you do. Time doesn't heal oh. all wounds, right? But but you do, or, or we do. Let's let's unpack that mm. a little bit, because that, that's, that's a very powerful one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know it's just such a, you know, time will heal all wounds. I, I don't believe in that. That's correct. I feel um, because I, I have to daily proof as well. I work with people and sometimes people come to my retreats that um, have been sitting with that grief for 10, 15, 20 years and they come to a retreat and I'm like, wow, you know, in those three days I've turned around more for me than I have in the last 10, 15 years of therapy. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying therapy is not it. Absolutely, it's a huge part. For me, I went to therapy. I had uh, two really important sets of therapy after Rob passed, one pretty much uh, a few weeks after he died, and one just recently I've gone back to therapy last year because Rob's dad passed, and have, that had re-triggered a lot for me, exactly what we just shared, the did I provide the right thing for the boys? You know, that's what re-triggered it for me, anxiety around them. So I went back to therapy and was amazing. However, it is this whole, people have this expectation of, uh, if I just suffer through it and I just stick it out, it'll get better eventually. It doesn't. It doesn't. It might take the edge of it a little bit, but why sit there and suffer for years and years or decades even when you can actually do something about it. So for me, when you ask what is the first step to healing, it's intention, yeah. not time. If you want to heal, you will. If you want to heal, you'll open your heart to it. And when you open your heart, people will show up. The right people will show up at the right time. And if your heart is closed and you're sitting there with your heart closed and your fists around it, holding it tight, um, time can't do anything about that your intention can and yeah wow hmm. what a powerful what a powerful way to put it Mary. i've never heard it that way before but it makes yeah. so 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 much sense as we kind of wrap Thank up you. uh Marie, there mm -hmm. i like to give this segment to you to speak freely to whoever may be listening maybe there's someone going through right now maybe they're expecting mm -hmm. it maybe they see this coming or maybe it's just happened to them unexpectedly um yeah they're, they're dealing with with grief and you know it's 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 one of those things that you know the person who's been through it who's experienced it um is, is the only mm -hmm. one who can speak to it so i want you to speak to that person right now who may be listening uh maybe dealing with yeah. the stage uh, of, of grief maybe. yeah what do you say to them well thank you thank you for that space first of all i so appreciate the space that you hold for me today for it to be able to share this message and for those listening who need to hear this message right now, I want to say, please, please guard your heart from all this advice under huge quotation marks that people bombard you with. There is so much to be said about how language is used in grief. Uh, one of the most overused and at the same time emptiest sentences I've ever heard is my condolences. I know that there is a good intention behind that. I know that it is considered as polite or the thing to say, yet it is so empty. When you hear that sentence 50, 100, 500 times, it just feels so empty. You cannot stand another my condolences line, you know, and for me, I say things to people. I never say to people, I'm so sorry for your loss because who am I to judge whether, you know, what their spiritual experience is around that. For me, I had this spiritual epiphany around this is what Bob and I had chosen. How can somebody be sorry for the choice we made? Do you know what I mean? 
Um, so what I'm saying is allow yourself to sit in your heart and to be very mindful of your heart space when you're going through grief. Be very mindful when you spend time with people, if they bring you down or lift you up. Be super selective of who you allow in. Really, really make sure that you only spend time with people who lift you up and do your best to leave these people outside the door who weigh you down. Don't go into, I'm supposed to, because they're related, they're friends, they're whatever. Just trust your heart and find that one person that you can be your absolute truest, honest self with, where you can share everything. For me, the biggest gift at the very beginning of my journey was when I had people around me who just held space for me who didn't feel the need to bombard me with advice or say stupid things like, oh, the worst is yet to come or, um, oh, yeah, my such and such husband died as well. And, you know, so <laughs> does that make you an expert in grief? I'm not an expert in grief. You are not an expert in grief. And how on earth is this helping me? You know, it's like somebody's pregnant and everybody's telling them the worst birth story. Why would you do that? You know, hold space for people. Send them love. If you don't know what to say, just be there. Just listen because that's that's what we really need. So trust that. Just learn to trust your heart and reach out to somebody who actually holds space for you because, you know, there is so much love and happiness in this world and it's just waiting for you to be ready and open your heart. You've got this. What a powerful way to kind of wrap this up. I, I do want to ask one more question because you talked about the sure. – the the sympathizing messages that somehow we're we're mm. expected to to say right because it feels yeah. right because it's the right thing to say yeah. what is the right thing to say in moments such as these I I, I do have you with you one in person mm. like this is a conversation yeah. we've had uh, when my wife's dad passed I mean she said the absolute same mm. thing sometimes just just be quiet just be there and just 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 yeah. give it time right what 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 are what is the right thing to say if someone mm so feels inclined to to say anything yeah yeah i always well it is so tricky to find like a generic one because it's so depending on the situation and the person and the connection and the relationship you have with this person but one that is the most generic one that i like to use and i never say it uh half-heartedly I, I said it straight from my heart is my heart goes out to you because that is just sending love. That is just completely not touching on what is your spiritual belief with this, what is your expectation, experience, thoughts, fears. It doesn't touch that at all. It's just I'm opening my heart to you and I'm sending you love. That's what it says. And I use that a lot in my group when people say, my husband died, my son, uh, this person committed suicide, whatever their circumstances, the first thing I say is, my heart goes out to you or thank you so much for sharing this with me or I can't even imagine how you must feel right now because I can't. That can be positive, that can be negative, that can be empowered, that can be sad, that can be destroyed, that can be anything. But I'm just saying, I'm sitting here, I can't even imagine what you're feeling right now. This builds an emotional connection. When I say my condolences, this is zip and the door is closed. There's nothing else to come after that. It's like I've done my duty, I've said my one sentence, and off you go and the next person comes in line. 
shocking. So just just open your heart, hold space for that person and listen. That's the most beautiful thing you can do. I've actually got a, a resource if you do want to share it um, that people can download and it is the 10 most commonly used phrases in grief and what to say instead. So I'm more than happy to share that with your audience too. It's just really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of sharing, I was going to ask, um, you know, mm. if listeners want to, you know, check out what, what can we find more information about you um, and, and learn more about yeah. the resources that you offer. Do you mind sharing that? Absolutely. Uh, the easiest way would be firstnamelastname.com. So it's mariealessi.com and you find all the avenues to everything I do and to connect with me, my books, my TEDx talk, my, my retreats. Uh, beautiful podcasts such as like yours if you want me to I'm more than happy to share it on my website too so people can find pretty much everything and can actually reach out to me and, and just have a have a conversation with me and I'm more than happy to just hold space for you listen to you and if you want me to I'd be more than happy to redirect you in what I feel could be helpful for you that might be books that might be courses that might be whatever it's just you know yeah I'm here Maria Alessi, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing this this powerful story uh, with, with 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 our audience, with our listeners. I mean, this is you know, grief is you know, like we said earlier, and it's one of those things that you can't you can't really do justice. Everyone has their own experience, and everyone brings a powerful perspective uh, to it. So, thank you again for using your story, Marie, to to inspire to inspire others. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Mine and to your listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, We trust that you found something valuable out of the discussion. And until we come your way again next time with another episode, thank you again and stay well.